Hey everybody, welcome to the Boostly podcast. This is the podcast that gives hosts the tools, the tactics, the trainings, but most importantly, the confidence to go out there and get more direct bookings. And today we are going behind the host with another interesting short-term rental hospitality host and to ask questions about their hospitality business to extract some juicy answers, things which you can learn from their inspirational stories, but also some tricks and tips that you may be able to implement within your hospitality business. So my name is Liam Carolan, uh, Mark Simpson's co-host, and today we are joined by Chris Jube. He's been in hospitality since 2019, and he owns Mon Monument Glamping, and you can go and check them out at mon monumentglamping.com. So we are talking about glamping today. So thank you for joining me today, Chris. Welcome along. Well, thank you for having me on, Liam. I appreciate it. So to get started, Chris, can you introduce yourself, where your business is based mm -hmm. in the world, and what sort of model you use? Sure, sure. Well, I started in 2019. Monument Glamping is based in Monument, Colorado. Uh, so it was really easy to come up with the name <laughs> because it was uh, it was just easy needed to come up with. Uh, we have three properties. Uh, actually, one is very stable. That's my property. We kind of fell into it by mistake. It's it's a nice story about how how that happened. But uh, we have eight units on this property. Uh, we have a second property that's uh, in the special use phase right now. Uh, we're aiming for sixteen units on that property, and then we are in uh, in the process of closing on another property. Uh, which is uh, hopefully have 70 units on it. That's one balance uh, about four times bigger than we've got these other two. And I hope to have five properties uh, in the makes by the end of this year. Amazing. That's that's really cool. So before we dive into to your business, what I'd love to know more about is, um, can you tell me anything about your your family, I guess, and also how you got into hospitality in the first place? Sure. Uh, my family is kind of an icebreaker. We have 16 children. So I'm one of these really large families. Wow. We, we have, but, but most of them are adults. Most of them have gone and grown up and they're on their own. And and uh, and they're all into uh, short-term rentals in some form, either they own them and do them on the side while they're working through college. I have one daughter who's, who's going through law school and they are living off of the income from their short-term rental. I have another son who's into an RV park down in, in, in Oklahoma. He's developing a 300-unit RV park. I have another son who's out in Tennessee uh, working you know, some working some short-term rental deals. And I have a, a son-in-law and daughter who's into cleaning and, and, and some tiny homes. They actually built a couple tree houses. So all I have to say, we're all sort of into this and i've only had five children at home right now so i feel like this is i'm sunsetting the parenting uh the, the parenting world but they're, they're those two they two are into uh the business here uh they oftentimes might might clean some tents and and uh, uh deliver some goods to some some guests or something like that kind of into the hospitality world uh they're all teenagers right now well my youngest is an 11 year old and, uh, but he's still very active. He, he takes care of the hot tubs and things like that. And, uh, and so it's all, of, it's a big family. It's, well, it's turning into a family business. I think uh, Wendy and I started off thinking this was going to be our thing or it was going to be a side hustle. And it turned into something, not only something we love to do, hospitality turned out to be just a, just a, we just love pleasing people who come to our property and we love giving them the best time of their lives. So that, that's, 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 it's, it's almost like a, 
a little high we get when we when we when we treat people well. And but then they got into the business too. They they like doing it also along with their studies in, in high school and, and and stuff like that. So that's um, so cool. that's just yeah, just to, yeah. just to jump in on that for anybody who's watching on the YouTube. Uh, me and Chris were talking just before we went uh, live on the recording, and uh, he's actually got a wall of of all of his oh, uh, yeah. family. His sixteen children on the which is amazing and i love the fact that hospitality we, we see this quite a lot where it starts off as more of a hey this could be a side gig this could be an extra income mm -hmm. and then people get the hospitality bug and not only yourself but obviously it's passed through to the next generation which is amazing that's a really good story you want to hear you want to hear the story it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Go okay ahead. so i was a teacher and so i i taught at a, at a school uh here in town and uh, English teacher, uh, English teachers don't make a lot of money. So I had a side business on, on the side, which was a publishing company. So I published curriculum for academic speakers and debaters. And so that was my, that was my shtick. And that kept us here at this house and on this property. It's a nice property. It's six and a half acres. It's got a creek in the backyard and everything. Well, I had my summers off. So I, uh, so in 2019, uh, Wendy and I said, well, you know, let's remodel the bedroom. It's kind of outdated. We need to, we need to really do it. And a total remodel, like to the studs and tore everything out. So I sat my hunting tent out in the backyard, <laughs> put my, put it up and moved my master bedroom outdoors. Loved it. Oh, it was so nice. The kids were indoors. We were outdoors. We were, we were just having the, the time of our, the, the moon comes up over the creek and everything. It's really a beautiful property. And, uh, and at the end, when, when we were done with the remodel, about a month later, we decided that, you know, let's put it up on Airbnb and see what happens. We booked out for the rest of the summer. I couldn't believe it. And it's like, wow, this is, this is, I'm making money off of my hunting gear. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> uh, so, so the next summer we decided to take it a little bit more seriously. And we put up a second tent about halfway through the summer. So I can give you some numbers here. This, this might inspire some people out there. So, so the first, the first summer we made $2,400 and I was like, wow, this this is good money. And, uh, and the next summer we, we cleared almost $20,000 off of two tents. Wow. Now that was the COVID summer. So we thought maybe it was just a fad and, and this was going to pass, but it, it at least was like validation, like, wow. And, and not only that, Liam, we, we loved doing it. I mean, this was something we, we didn't know we would enjoy so much and because none of us, none of us work in hotels or, or any kind of hospitality. The hospitality wasn't even in there. I mean, we, 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 we like to throw parties, I guess that's, that's, uh, that's hospitality. And so the third year, that's when the lid blew off the pan and we were like, wow, this is something because we, we cleared nearly $70,000 in the summer. Whoa. And we, now we took it seriously. We, we, we started winter glamping, I think is a thing that, that glampers should be doing because there is a demand out there. We, we expanded to container homes. My son, one of my sons was a welder and he, 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 he created these container homes that are really cool. And we partnered with one of my neighbors and, and do some of her land and stuff. So there, there were some things we did. We really did expand. So that number isn't, well, the number's still impressive, <laughs> but we were, we were working it and we were really enjoying it. That's when we started to get in trouble with the county and the county, we had a neighbor who did not like our, what we were doing. Mm -hmm. This one, this one, that's all it takes. <laughs> and then we, it was a, actually a year ago this month, uh, no, wait, it's February. Yeah. This is coming out of the spring. Anyway, it was, it was, uh, early 2021, 2022 rather that I had to work with the county to get properly permitted. And at first that was a. That, that was somewhat devastating because we were really on the roll. I, and I, and I had left teaching and I, I, 
I sold my my business. So I was like my my publishing business. So I was I was all in. Wendy and I were in. We were we were like this is the coolest thing since sliced bread, and I'm we're 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 on it. And but then then that threat was coming in of being shut down. We really turned that to our advantage, uh, and that's that's the good story. I gave a presentation at the American Galactic Association in October uh, that went. Uh, uh, didn't really go viral, but it went. It got very popular among the glamping professionals. So I, I, I encourage people to go and look at that video. At, uh, I've got it online somewhere. You could do a YouTube search. But it tells a story of how the the enforcement officers actually became almost advocates for us. And they really not. They they can't advocate for you. They can't do your business for you. But they all thought what I was doing was really cool. <laughs> Even one of the meetings, they're like, "Wow, this is really neat." We look what. How can we pave the paths for the jubes to get to do this glamping operation in El Paso County? Let, and, let me just jump then, in with, with them. Yeah, just sure. say that's that's a testament to you and your business of how good an idea it was, because people will buy into you know people's belief about something, and also um, the fact that it's a good product, and ultimately it's bringing money to the county, isn't it? So um, yeah, that is yeah. that's really good. But yeah, yeah. Um, how did it go then? What what happened with them? Well, I, I I submitted for what's called a special use permit. Uh, so that's uh, that that is somewhat familiar when you once you get into it. Now, this was all brand new to me. So this whole thing of uh, county planning and setbacks and septic tank upgrades and electrical, all the stuff that goes in it. There's actually when this happened, this is what the county the county brought me on board. I was I became kind of a developer. Uh, I never saw or never would call myself a developer. I'm in a glamping. I'm a, I got a tent in my yard. And I'm, I want I want to show you a good time. That's 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 my that's my shtick. But uh, but I am developing my property. So my property is is a rural residential property. Uh, it's six and a half acres. It's one of the bigger acreages in the in the neighborhood. But all the all the acreages in the neighborhood are at least five acres. And it's a beautiful area. It's 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 gorgeous. But most of the people here are single single residents, single family residences. And they just what I'm doing is somewhat out of the ordinary. However, there is a part of the code that allows for what I'm doing, and it's called the recreation camp. Now, there's no glamping code. There, there, there's, that's that's a, this is a gray area in land development. So this is a, this is a gray area, but they had this peg hole that they could fit me in. <laughs> they said, "Hey, you're a recreation camp." I said, "Yep, that's what I am. The recreation <laughs> camp." And uh, and and then they and then so the criteria for that, I had to I, I had to kind of. This is, I mean, a debate, I'm a debate coach, and like I said, I, I, I published a debate curriculum. So I became kind of a debater and said, I, my premise is that I am a recreation camp that will do, that will help the county move closer to its master plan. And they had a master plan. They had just come out with a master plan, actually. In my county, I was very blessed because the whole, through COVID, they, they totally recalled their master plan. And I read it word for word, 198 pages, and I and I read read it word for word and 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 highlighted the whole thing. Really studied it. And we are in a tourist area. We are we we have this is the Pikes Peak region, uh, Purple Mountain Majesty, and our Star Spangled Banner was is is named after uh, Pikes Peak, which is mm-hmm. one of the 14ers that, that that is picture picturesque in Colorado Springs. We have trails. We have Guard of the Gods, which is one one of the greatest. Uh, parks out there and we have uh an ag hiking trail is just a couple miles from my house and mm-hmm. that we're literally you can walk to and, and walk your walk your dogs through these trails it's it's just beautiful so the master plan 
rides on that. Well, I wrote my letter of intent to the county that was very, very persuasive. People can download it. You can go to the county and look on their, their website. There it is, my letter of intent. And I, and I pulled out all my persuasive techniques possible and said, El Paso County really, really wants monument glamping to succeed. And then the rest were just details. You know, I had to get a water lawyer. I had to upgrade my, my, my uh, well permit. I had to get, oh, and that's one thing I did get. I did get a lawyer and he was a former county commissioner. I actually knew him beforehand. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, I consider him my friend and, uh, and he knows land codes like in and out. I was, I was, I was calling him quite often saying, Hey, this is what the county wants. What, what should, what do I, what, you know, what's a title commitment? I have no idea what that is. And he would explain, okay, this is what you got to do. And this is the fee you got to pay, blah, blah, blah. And it, it costs, it costs a lot of money. At first it was somewhat eye opening. It was just, just pushing papers in my County. It's about a $12,000 bill. Uh, that's just this, that, and, and it, and it's, it's not erecting anything in my yard. It's not giving it, it's not an asset. It's just the proper permitting. And it, to, I think to beginning lampers, I think in, in 2019, if that, that would have been told to me that, oh, it's going to cost you $12,000 to get properly permitted, probably would have walked away from it. But, <laughs> eh, no, thanks. You know, I, I got other things to do. I can make money elsewhere. Uh, but the good but, thing uh, is because you cash flow and by that time, you can see the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's that now I'm making $80,000 in each summer. I mean, I'm like, this is, you know, take my money. I mean, this is, I, I, I got this, I got this uh, expense covered. And once it's done, it's done. You know, yeah. you go through the process. Now here's the, here's kind of the interesting story is that that one neighbor that I mentioned, mm -hmm. she really did put up a fight. I mean, she drove all over the neighborhood and, 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 and tried to get people on her side. And she went on social media on next door neighbor, which is a social media group here. And, and she, she really tried to, she tried to shut me down, not the County, but the, but, but my neighbor did, but she has property rights too. And so she, you know, she can, she's looking over the fence and she's looking at my stuff mm -hmm. and she doesn't like what she sees. Um, so she has every right to appeal to the County and say no to that special use. But I fought fire with fire. <laughs> I, I actually went to my neighbors also. And I've lived here for 22 years, so I know my neighbors. And I, I said, you know, this is really a good thing for our neighborhood. I want to be cool to have a glamping operation, a cool glamping operation. You yeah. should, it, it, became, it became kind of a study in, in, in logical fallacies because I was being strawed by my neighbor. You know, oh, it's a tent, call it a tent community, a homeless shelter uh you know just riffraff it's going to come it, she she was exaggerating what what i was bringing to town well i was going to my neighbors and saying well quite the contrary when you're paying two three hundred dollars a night for a tent you're not going to be attracting the the, the riffraff in town <laughs> so yeah it makes so this is yeah yeah and and then they started to think you know it'd be kind of nice to have a glamping operation in the neighborhood and that that turn actually if, if you go to my uh if you go to the county, you you see the the history of the the special use, which I bet you a lot of your audience would be very interested in that, uh, just to see because all the documentation is there. There are six letters of support and one letter of concern. I was going to present in front of the county commissioners, and I was locked and loaded. I was ready to go, and I had I had neighbors who were going to come and testify for me, saying this thing is great, 
And um, well, then my one neighbor decided that she was alone. I mean, she, she didn't convince anybody. And so, so she withdrew her opposition. It got downgraded to a letter of concern, which, you know, I'm concerned about fire. I'm concerned about water. And, and that was all cool. That actually the, the process of the special use permit forces you to consider those things, you know, and to, to make sure those things get done. Uh, so, so yeah, fire, fire mitigation. Uh, so those are the, those are the considerations that the whole special use forces. And so really all the concerns were answered. And, and then the, then the county, uh, staff who will put it in front of the commissioners, these are elected officials or, uh, or just allow it. Well, they decided to just allow it. So in July of last summer, I was awarded the, uh, the special use. The, the, one of the contract. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. I, I, I think it's awesome. <laughs> that but is one of those the- things where when you've had a big battle like this in, in any area of hospitality, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are aware that, you know, regulations are coming in across the globe, you know, like uh, certainly here in the UK, across in the US, mm-hmm. I know yeah. certain areas, there's a lot more regulation. There are a lot of neighbors who oppose, um, you know, and many of the times we will, Yes, we're trying to have a good cash flow in business, but actually the money that it brings to the county, the community, the benefits, and also if it's an awesome product, if it's an awesome experience, will naturally people, especially if there's um, a buy-in from people and they can see your vision, then it's one of the lessons which which I take away from this. And also not to be put off by um, by the potential obstacles. if. I, I read this thing the other day, the four stages of um, of competency. And the first one is unconscious incompetence. You know, like bef- we don't know what we don't know. So we blindly charge ahead. And that's kind of what's happened. And then as you start to learn more, you go, oh, hang on, I should have been doing this. I should have been doing this. But actually mm. by that stage, you've already got some momentum and you soon become consciously competent and, um, you know, unconsciously competent after that, which is where you're able to just do this stuff. And like you say, if if you had the same opportunity now, well, it would be a no brainer. I'm going to go right ahead and and get this through by getting the community on the side, by making sure I've read through the documentation that I'm putting everything in place, getting the right people on the team with, with the lawyer, as you said, and mm-hmm. just, you know, not letting uh, naysayers and, and people who don't see your vision, um, you know, sort of get in the way. And quick break from the podcast to let you know that the two Boostly books that we brought out, the book direct playbook and the book direct blueprint are two of the top rated and the best selling in the hospitality category on Amazon for just two pounds. You can grab both of those books right now. The foundations and the structures that you need to put in place is in the blueprint. And then for 101 marketing tactics, that is in the playbook. So go and grab a copy on Amazon now. Just type in book direct playbook or the book direct blueprint and uh, we'll see you on the other side. The great thing is, as you said now, where you're cash flowing well each year, what I'd love to to do then is to dive into your your business. What would you say has been the, um, why do people come and stay what is it that attracts them your guest avatar to your particular business is there any amenities or anything that uh, people listening should be considering putting into their glamping business um, to, to achieve the same results yeah I, I i am becoming more and more a student of hospitality the more i get into it now i, I mentioned before i was a business owner of a, of a publishing business so I, I i guess the business side of things i understood or i wasn't intimidated by 
Uh, every business owner would say they learn as they grow. So they get into it right away and they kind of get their grease in their fingernails while they're working and they, and they, they make things up as they go. And, and that's, that's the secret success model for any business person. But the more I get into it, the more I really understand that, boy, hospitality is an art. And, and I have to read not only books on financing and accounting and, and, and marketing and, and stuff like that, and, and be, be a business person. I have to get into, I have to get into hospitality because that's, that's the core of what I do. Uh, so, so for example, I just finished the book this morning. It's called, uh, unreasonable hospitality It's a bestseller out there in the business world, but, uh, it's all about restaurant hospitality, but you, and I'm not doing restaurant hospitality, but I have to become a master of the idea of hospitality. I stay very close to the people who kind of get that and understand that. I'm a big fan of being a, a member of the American Glamping Association. We get together every week. I sit and sit in there. I very much appreciate the ones who are former hotel hospitality managers and stuff. And now they've got this glamping business going. I, I kind of like them sponge to what they have to say about how to, how to treat a guest, uh, how to make the experience magical. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples of things we do on our property that that's unique uh, because there, there is a sense of improvisation that, that comes with hospitality that makes it magical. And we try to process it the, the best we can, but if you get too processed, it doesn't become magical anymore. Uh, so one of the things we did, we, we got a, what's called a BMB liquor license here in, in Colorado. Uh, <clears throat> and so we're allowed to give away our homemade wine. So we make homemade. So everybody who comes here gets a gift of homemade wine. And uh, boy, they love that. They just, they just get a kick out of it. And we don't tell them they're getting it. So we don't advertise it. So when they get here and there's a, there's a, oh, here's another thing about hospitality. That this is another trip to the trade that somebody could take. We let them self-check into our tents. We used to be there at the tent and try to try to meet them at the door kind of thing and check them off and, and greet them there. That's not nearly as good as what we came up with. We let them self-check in. And give them, and we can see them from our, you know, we can peek around or in our, you know, it's out the window and stuff to make sure that they're, they're getting settled in. We let them check in for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then we roll in on our little, uh, you know, ATV and stuff like that. And, hey, how you doing? You got any questions? So that's a very strategic move because there's, they're exploring for 10 or 15 minutes. You see what I mean? They drive up to the tent, they walk up on the deck, they look at the fire pit, they look at the grill, they open the grill up, they see the, the cast iron tan, they open up. Ooh, there's a sign there. Welcome to, you know, relax, sit back and relax. Or clap. Ooh, here's the hot tub. Ooh. And they, and they have this awesome moment of discovering. And then here's me coming up or Wendy coming up or one of my kids coming up and say, Hey, how you doing? And here's a, and we would like to gift you with this bottle of wine. They're like, Whoa. And, then, and so now they're like, this is over the top. And, and that's how you get a five-star review every time. And I'm consistent with five-star reviews on, on my OTAs. So that's the magic we create in there. You make a really good, good point with that because um, I actually had one of our owners, I managed for other people, and I had one of our owners today say, hey, are these cookies really necessary? Is this really necessary? And you go, well... Yes, they are. This is this is hospitality. This isn't this isn't any other business where you you're trying to build relationships with people. And what you've just mentioned um, of given that extra that they don't expect that's so important. And I'd love everybody listening to this to think, hey, what can I do for my guests, which gives them a little bit extra that they didn't necessarily expect that they're getting. And by doing so, 
there's, there was a study which basically found that if a talking about waitressing and on hospitality and that side of things that when a waitress or waiter gives you the bill and then they leave you some mints or, or whatever it is, then you may tip, you know, if the service was good or, or, you know, you may decide, um, you know, sort of a, a varied amount. However, when that same waiter turned around and said, do you know what, actually have an extra few more, you've been a great, you know, sort of customer, have an extra few where the customer didn't expect to be getting that. That's when the tips rose crazily, yep. you know, that where they went up and that's exactly what you've done there where somebody is, come in they've got oh, i've got a hot tub oh yeah this looks like the pictures are oh, this is exactly what i was picturing and then you've come in with the the wine it's homemade as well so it's unique to you guys yeah. which yep. Yep. nobody that's else what, that's what that. knocks it over the top yeah yeah because uh, airbnbs they they you can get well like i said i got the bnb license to do it to give away wine i could buy a bottle of cheap wine and i've done that i've gone to airbnbs and there's a bottle of wine i appreciate it but it's becoming systemized mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of almost becoming an expectation and now we do process it. So we, we do have a kind of a routine now of keeping our carboys going to make sure that wine is ready for the summer. Like where right now we've got a big stock because we're it's, it's early in the year and we got to get ready for the summer to keep doing that. But who knows? Maybe that maybe everyone will start doing, you know, homemade wine because know. You know, it's, it's, who knows? It's, it's but, one of those things which um, if, if that isn't a, a thing that you can do within your business and um Definitely the idea of just give extra and make it, yeah. you know, make it personalized or, or about you, your, your brand. And this is a great thing that we, we talk about hospitality. There's a street in, in the UK in Whitby, which Mark Simpson talks about where every single property is a bed and breakfast. But what is different about that is that the person inside, you know, and what you decide to do, the message. That, of- could, that could vary that it's from person to person. In fact, my, my uh, son and my son and daughter-in-law. Uh, that third property I mentioned is they're going to be the managers of that property and they're looking forward to it. They're right now they're living in an apartment and, and stuff like that. They're, they're looking forward to living on a piece of nice property and being managers, but she makes some killer pumpkin bread. I mean, she's nice. like the queen of pumpkin bread making. And, uh, and so she's always bringing it over and things like that. that that's her guest. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what she's going to do for the glampers. We're gonna be making pumpkin bread till 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 they get sick of it. But they, <laughs> but that is that's going to be one of those gifts that it's like, oh wow! And if what got me on that was I attended a uh, I, I stayed at an Airbnb in uh, Minnesota. Uh, we were traveling through. We just stayed in this farm place, and they had homemade salsa uh, for yes. us. And we're like, yeah, like dish it up, you know. And we we ended up buying some from them and things like that. So. So, but but that uh, that got me thinking. We got to do something homemade. We got to do oh, something definitely. unique, and that that's just that, that that adds to the experience for our guests, and then that leads to great reviews, and and then we just keep improving. So you make a good point. I've got to ask: Do you upsell? Is it a chance? Can they buy the wine from you? Can you make some income from that? Not yet. That's we're just not licensed to do that yet. So that yeah. that's like the next level up for a license. And uh, but we've investigated in it, and I'll give you numbers. It costs six thousand dollars to mm-hmm. to get licensed, to get a proper lawyer, and to get that kind of and go go commercial we're toying with that it might be worth it I, I don't know but right now we're just enjoying the gift side of it but yeah there might be a jube family wine in the future nice nice <laughs> i like you know this is the great thing about hospitality because it's a feel-good factor you know what do we do we get paid when people have a great time you know like so it is um and then there's lots of uh, avenues off that like you say you, you know you 
your family could start selling the pumpkin bread, you know, that, that side of things, there's, there's so many different ways you could go with that. So one thing I'd love to dive into is, is there any tech or any kind of gadgets that you use in your business or what channels do you market on? I guess, um, whichever avenue you, you want to go down out of those two. Sure. Sure. To uh, manage all my properties and uh, to manage the OTAs, I use IGMS and I've looked into others and experimented with others. That's the one I kind of stuck with. I've been doing Facebook marketing a lot lately for direct bookings. I'm very much into Mark's idea of trying to get to that 65% rate. I think it's 65%, mm-hmm. 60, 65% of direct bookings. Uh, that's been my goal this year is to move move the needle. I'm, I'm very dependent on OTAs. I used to be very, very dependent. Uh, right now I'm at about 30%. So instead of all Airbnb, Verbo, and, and Hip, Hip Camp is one that I'm really into and and dirt and, and what other ones, but, but there does, I try to get on as many platforms as I can, but I want to move that needle to where that's just 30% of my company. So 30% and then 70% could be direct bookings. I I'm trying hard and applying Mark's principles to do that. Like my automated messages, uh, which IGMS is able to do. I have automated messages that remind people, Hey, if you direct book, you get free propane. <laughs> so, or a free, you know, early or free early check-in. However, I'm making a lot of money off early check-ins. I have to, Mark suggested in his book to, to charge for early check-ins. So I started doing that. And instead of people canceling and actually doing direct bookings, they're just paying me for the early check-in. So it's yeah. like, oh, okay. It's uh, a so, game changer uh, because a lot yeah. of people worry about, hey, will this affect their experience? And you go, well, no, when they booked, they agreed to this check-in time. If you do want extra, hey, it's only whatever dollars, do you know what I mean? Most Actually, people- what I'm getting more of, I'm getting more of, it's people saying, oh, we could direct book next time. Oh, nice. okay. And, you know, and then now, so the return customer will be, they won't go to the OTA. They'll come straight to my website. But I am doing strategies to get them on my mailing list uh, so that their email doesn't disappear. So I follow up. And, and Mark actually was an influencer on this too because he, uh, he said, get on the phone. And, and, and just, just call them. I do a follow-up survey and um, I have yet to talk to anybody on the phone. I usually leave a message um, or I send them a text. They, they said, hey, could you, st- you know, thanks for staying. We, we loved having you. Uh, would you mind filling out this quick survey? It'll take just a few questions. And it really is just a few questions. It's just, hey, how was your stay? Anything we can approve on? Would you write a review for us? But the email address is required to text it to the survey. And, nice. and the, uh, so that I captured their, their email phone numbers are already given to you. So that's how I, that's how I ask them to survey instead of going through like the OTA through the messaging mm-hmm. board, I go through their phone number. That was the direct suggestion that, that Mark made. It's like, quit being sheepish, get on the phone, make it happen. And, uh, and that, that's what I did and it's working great. So it's, it's slow season right now, but I'm getting two to six replies and, and, and filling it out from my units right now every week. And it's going to build up in the summer. It would probably be flying fast, uh, fast and curious. So that was direct influenced by, by Mark's book. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at that. I'm going to be on 65% by the end of the year. That's my goal. That is 65% uh, direct bookings. You know, it's music to my ears because, you know, Mark genuinely does want to help, you know, a million hosts out there get more direct bookings and have less reliance on OTAs, which just by his book, the Book Direct Playbook, which is available on Amazon and uh, the Book Direct Blueprint, which is a second follow up to that. 
you can go out there and and use some of this even if it's just inspiration to go out there and do some of this stuff then then it works and one thing that came to mind as you were saying to get them to fill in the survey one thing that i do to get people to share on social media so we have instagram accounts we get them to uh, as they check in we've got a little welcome card which says hey if you're enjoying your stay when you share use this hashtag you know when you share on there mm. um and we then check uh, at the end of each month we pick out somebody at random to win uh, and it's just simply we we send through some called simple cake we send it through the post which is like a letterbox hamper type thing but for yourself you could say hey fill in this survey and if you do we pick one person at random each month to win a bottle of our homemade wine do you know what i mean like as in that, yeah. that kind of oh i love that 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 would be an awesome way to increase the number of people to fill in and obviously what you get is the email out of it for one bottle of homemade wine um you know that sort of thing so yeah there's loads of exciting things and i'm excited for you i mean it sounds like a very uh, homely hearty sort of business and uh one that's gone through challenges like like you've gone through but is you know well on its way now to uh, an even brighter future so what does the future hold for Mon monument glamping if you're struggling on how to get direct bookings and overwhelmed on where to start, then I recommend you go and book in a call with Boostly and our team right now. We can walk you through exactly what we're offering, how we can help you and give you a portfolio of websites that we have worked with that are matching not only your niche, but could be in your location as well. Boostly has helped over 2,000 hospitality businesses all over the world increase their direct bookings. And if you are interested, then all you need to do is go to Boostly, B-O-O-S-T-L-Y dot co dot UK forward slash call and book in an appointment with one of our sales team. Yeah, I would like to get to that by property. So we've done some uh, some some feasibility studies. I'm in the process of hiring another group to, to actually do a real one. And, it's, mm -hmm. and that's more for financing, to get financing from from banks to buy these properties. Uh, uh, you had mentioned what model we had. And I didn't fully answer the, the a model that we're, we're differentiating from other glamping operations that I own the property. And so there's a lot of, uh, uh, and so it's, 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 it's land acquisition is, is kind of a, kind of a pillar of our organization. Uh, so, or my company or my growing company. So I want to own five properties and, and then build the business of glamping on top of it with the proper person per permitting here in El Paso County. So that's El Paso County. I would like to grow to other counties in the country. <clears throat> like I said, I have a, excuse me, I have a son down in Oklahoma. Uh, he's doing an RV park, but we could do a glamping operation down there outside of Tulsa, really beautiful area. And uh, I have a son in Tennessee, the Gatlinburg area. He lives just south of Knoxville. Uh, that way I would love to get into that area. That might be a little saturated, but but still a very fun place. A lot of, lot of tourism there. And, uh, and that's kind of the, uh, the couple models there that I've copied. So a lot of businesses just copy what other people are doing, what, what's successful. Yeah. A couple models there was, I call it the Ray Kroc model, uh, that he's the founder of McDonald's. He's more in the, in the business of real estate than he is in the hamburgers. There's some truth to what I'm doing here is that I want to acquire the property. There is a model out there to lease property, to get on government property or something like that. Um, and then I'm resisting that model. Um, I'm, I'm more, I want to acquire the property. And that becomes an asset of the company that we have fun with the glamping operation on top of it. And then um, I don't know if I can call it the Rob Abasolo <laughs> model, but he's one that really is advocating get, get close to state parks or tourist areas and, and national parks and things like that. Try to get close to them 
be the the destination venue. You're not quite the destination, but you're on the way. And that's that's monument monument. I mean, I was just blessed to to be. I've been here for 22 years. I didn't quite realize how how much of how how much we fit the glamping model or that model of of being closed until it happens. Uh, there is a model of going out in the boonies, going out in the middle of nowhere, and being one with nature and stuff. And that's we are one with nature, but it we happen to have some really nice tourists there. So so the people who come here typically will. Um, enjoy their mornings and their evenings, but they're out and about all day long. Uh, right. And that, that that's uh they're, they're out touring and, and being, being tourists, or if they're, if they are sitting around, they're more staycationers. They're from Denver and Colorado Springs, and they're just getting out of their apartment building and enjoying the evening, enjoying the day, uh, doing something else. So that's a model and a model that I've, I've really been interested in. It's a Terramore model. Um, that's uh, the KOA uh, brand for glamping. I'm very impressed with with that. Their hospitality and food involves food. I don't, I, mean, I don't think there's a tangent, but the but the the idea that this is like a sandbox type of uh, of area. So one of the things that we've experienced experimented with is what we call a Colorado cookout, where we'll make hamburger patties and put it in a cooler with some chips and and some grilled items and things like that and seasonings, and then they grill their own stuff. And that's they. Terramore does what they call grill kits, and it's much the same thing. So I'm kind of, I want to perfect that because there's not a lot of margin in it. It's kind of a hassle, especially when you're busy and stuff. But I think we can systematize it. Kind of like what we did with homemade wine. We, I think yeah. we can get a get a routine going and make it an easy add-on. You know, mm-hmm. pay 50 bucks and here's your here's your meal that night. And, and grill it yourself. But we're not going to be a restaurant. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want us to have a restaurant. Um, I think Terramore has a restaurant, but but it's a short menu restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so you know what we got in the refrigerator, that's what we're going to cook for you. So so it's uh, that kind of thing. They also make uh, sack lunches. I think it's a great idea. I think we're going to have sack lunches in our future. Well, because our avatar is actually going out and about. Mm-hmm. Well, why not? You know, get, get a couple sandwiches, a couple bags of chips. Here you go, and and they wrap it up, make it nice, with a little message on it. We can make it really cool. And then they could take it and go. It's a grab and go uh, box lunch or bag lunch. What I love about all this is that I mentioned this on a, a previous <clears throat> podcast is that when you niche down, you should go a, a, an inch wide, but a mile deep. So really identify what your avatar needs. You just said they're on the move. So having these kind of uh, add-on services that you can offer, yeah. that'll do two yeah. things. First of all, you've got the add-on sale, but then also that makes you guys different again. So every time, every little aspect makes you different again to the point where people go, hey, where's the best place to go glamping? And your name gets mentioned more. So what increases? Well, your direct bookings increase because you can start to shut off all of those dates on the OTAs and you know just take the referrals, the, um, the email marketing ones. And it's also content, isn't it? Because all that stuff we've talked about Hey, we're now doing this. Well, that's that's an email, that's a campaign that you can fire out saying, "Hey, you want to come and experience the cookout? You know, you can do so while enjoying this view, you know, of of from from the the glamping." And um, you know, that yeah. is is just an awesome way to look at it. So I'm excited about what you're doing in the future. As as we bring these towards a close, uh, we just love to do a couple of fun quick fire questions. Um, so. One question I've got for you is what area or skill do you personally excel at? <laughs> I was going to say teaching, uh, but that 
isn't fitting in very nicely to treating my my glamping guests. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to have classes for my glamping guests. However, I do take them on hikes sometimes, but uh, and we have good conversations on the hikes. It's almost like a different model is that teaching other glampers how to do glamping mm-hmm. is, is, or it's not a different model, it's a different audience. I've had to separate my, my audience a bit. My website has developed quite a bit. Uh, by the way, your viewers can see it at mindofglamping.com. But I used to try to talk to glamping hosts through that website, and it just wasn't working. <laughs> it's just it, because it's just a different people who are visiting. They don't, they don't care about opening up their own glamping sites or or submitting for special use permits with the county. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they want to they want to they want to have a pleasurable experience. So so I guess that's a that's a, a unique gift that I've got as a teacher that I've just not been able to been able to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds good to uh, to teach at the end of the day. So uh, one thing that I'd love to ask is what resources or where should people go and check out for more information, things that they can learn around glamping? What resources has, has helped you? Who should they either be talking to or what websites or training programs? Where should they go and check out? Yeah, uh, I'll just give you some recent ones. Well, of course, Mark's book, uh, you, you get that book and start doing the uh, the direct bookings. Uh, you, you, you have to move in that direction. Avoid the temptation to stay comfortable in the Airbnb or Verbo or, or, or camp. It, it is that is a comfortable spot. It's very easy uh, to get started in those in that direction. But you've got to put your big boy pants on eventually and and start to be a real host. And that means you're taking taking those bookings directly and treating the customers like they want to be treated. That will help your retention rates too. That be, the return guests will 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 start to increase in that environment versus the person who's just traveling through and finding a place to stay on Airbnb. So that uh, you know, embrace Mark's work. That that's that's really really important. So thank you, thank you for that. And um, lastly, uh, what sort of saying or mantra really resonates with you? Yeah, I was going to say something else, but uh, this conversation has kind of merged to to a different area. So I'm going to I'm going to give you this: embrace creativity. That that's the secret sauce and the fun place to be. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we are in such a a early industry of glamping. Uh, it, and I just watched an interview that uh, on the uh, with the American Glamping Association with uh, Wendy Scott of, of Terramore and of KOA's branding. And, and and it was it was excellent. And she said, we're, and she's uh, all big into studies and and reports and and the, the data, the research. And she says, let the research. Well, I say, re- let the research guide you. That's my debate teaching coming out of me. Let just follow that research. The research shows mm-hmm. glamping's got a huge amount of growth in front of it. I mean, it's still it's on an up wave. And let's ride that up wave. How do you how do you ride that up wave with success? It's through embracing creativity. Uh, I like to say. Creativity is an image of God trait. Okay, that's what separates us from any animal is that we create our own, our own, our own habitat, our own structures, our own businesses, and that embrace the creativity and create those those wonderful things that make your place unique and and experiential and and wonderful and magical. You're not going to be unsuccessful. You're going you're going to make this happen. And, uh, and that's that's uh that's kind of who our family is. I mean, I've got sixteen kids. I guess creation is a big part of our life. But uh, but that is a walk 
with for people who have no kids or just a couple of kids. I mean, it's like it's not the number of kids that that make uh, the jubes kind of unique. It's it's that we we do, and then especially my adult kids. I I gave a presentation not too long ago to our area chamber of commerce, and it was it was surprising when we when Wendy and I gave this presentation that when we were studying for it, that all of our kids become entrepreneurs, like all of them. I got a lot of kids, and they're all they're all doing businesses, and I I'm like I, we didn't set out to do that, but it makes sense that they did because who we are and what we do, what we exude in all of our glamping venues is creation. We are mm -hmm. creating an environment that's beautiful and magical and wonderful. And that is the magic is the creation side of things. So, uh, so yeah, embrace creativity. That's, that's, that might be my motto from, for a while. I love it. I love it. And thank you so much, Chris, for, for sharing your, your journey, obviously, into uh, hospitality glamping. And certainly from this, I've picked up some of the unique things that you can do to uh, to attract more more people, some of the more hospitality based sort of things, which sometimes forget that people forget this is this is hospitality. And ultimately, how you've actually made this part of your, your everyday life and your family's life. And, and that's the creativity, as you've just said just there, has sparked more businesses, more only good comes from the the creativity and, and learning. And um, you've created an awesome product there. So how can people listening come and get in touch with yourself or check out the business? Yeah, I'd say go to monumentglamping.com. Like I mentioned before, that's really geared to the people who are staying with me. But I honestly love it when other glampers reach out to me and say, Hey, I saw you on this podcast or listen to you at the AGA or, you know, we met somehow. Can you give me some pointers or some, some questions and stuff? I love this community of glamping. So, or of glamp hosting. So ping me, you know, you know, send me a message and we can start a conversation. It would be, it'd be fun to, to connect with glampers all over the country, all over the world, really all over the world. I have a, one of my daughters lives in Australia. So, so wow. we, we make a trip out to Australia whenever we can. So that's amazing. So thank you so much, Chris, for this. And thank you too. If you're listening to the Boostly podcast or on the YouTube channel, uh, we know there's a lot of places you can put your attention. We thank you for putting it with Boostly. Um, that's it from me. Uh, Chris, is there any closing comments or uh, anything I missed? Hey, no, no, this is a lot of fun, Liam. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, buddy. And uh, everybody, we will see you on the next podcast. Bye for now.